But yeah, and then of course, in addition to all of that, this is the longest chapter of the book so far. <laughs> Last night I get to it, I'm like, why wouldn't it be? Yes. Why, why, yeah, why, what would I have expected? Of course, of course. So you did the reading. I, uh, yes, yes. Are you caught up? <laughs> that was yeah, I was hesitant. I, uh, <laughs> well, actually, it was only one chapter. I realized I only oh, okay. missed one chapter. Cool. Well, I that's good, the, right? Because we because I read the chapter two a couple weeks ago to get ready to get ready, and then. Ready didn't work out yep. so, so it's not bad um, but yeah so I only missed the Davidic covenant but I just that read it doesn't even matter yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's basically superfluous okay. incongruent with the rest of them does it really does it not really true. mesh up not, not, does it really mesh up you like found find out that's what we were saying we were like yeah. Yeah. you weren't here and we were the, like yeah none I listened of this to matters the, <laughs> to the actually yeah, yeah. something came up I gotta go oh, alright well New Whoa. Covenant. This is exciting. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting to get Co- here. Consummation final. By the yeah. way, so I just last night, so we've been doing for, I think I've maybe mentioned this already on the podcast, but uh, for family worship, we've been doing like the major themes of the Bible, or maybe major yeah. characters, major mm-hmm. moments of yep. uh, Bible history and specifically focused around the covenants. So last night I was teaching my kids according to, you know, John T. Rhodes you know, uh, people place paradise. People place paradise, and yeah. uh, building around like had them name. Okay, who are the major covenant? And they knew, by the way. They like I just I was able to say without you know I don't know that I've directly taught them this, but I just I could I asked them. Okay, who are the people that God made a covenant with in the Old Testament? Yeah. And they could name them all. They figured them all out. Wow, um, wow. Nice. they were able to follow that. And so, but to have that, yeah, and then to say, look, and every time you're going to see a kind of an escalation in these promises. So yeah. keep listening for that. Super helpful. Yeah. Super helpful. Then we read, I mean, I, you know, we kind of talked through that and then I read, uh, or Naomi. Thank you. Um, I read, uh, part of, um, God's promises to Abraham and it, yeah. it was just great cause they could yeah. follow along and it literally is, yep. you know, yep. I will make you a people. I will, you know, give yeah. you this land. I will be, yeah. uh, their God and, they will be my people and you know like there's this wow it just flows well Mm -hmm. so super helpful yeah last week we tried so last week um the king was also thrown into the three p's yeah michael and i tried to brainstorm how we could change that to a p so it'd be the four p's instead of the three p's and a k which is not as fluent and obviously andrew you've thought about this what would you say is a proper p potentate why didn't i think of that last week is that a word? Do you not know the word potentate? Potentate means king. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> it means ruler or king. I was going to say, <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. I got to think about that. <laughs> oh, I'm trying so, to think. What? There's a potentate. hymn you guys would know that you say it, potentate. Uh, is it, what, what's the language is that from? What man. nationality is this? It's got to be English. I don't know. Weird. Okay. Yeah, right. Oh, well, there we go. Potentate. Dude, it's definitely. Potentate. Yeah. So basically, we should write him to Jaunty and let him know what a failure he's been for not using that term. Dude, you could have just used a thesaurus. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You have a master in theology. You don't know how to use a thesaurus. Oh, potentate. Come on. I mean, I that's what, Now amazing. I'm trying to think of what hymn you yeah. would know. Because, there's man, there's a really well-known hymn. And I can ooh, ooh. almost hear it, but not oh. quite. Yeah. Well, I'll think of it as we go. All right. So. Well, there we go. Potent. Oh, man. Ooh, well, ooh, New Covenant. Ooh, ooh, We're on the New Covenant. Okay. Chapter 7. I'm a fan, personally. <laughs> I'm, Uh-oh. I'm getting your book wet. <laughs> Sorry about that. Everything is chaos. Okay. Wow. Everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. New Covenant. New Covenant. <laughs> so... Andrew's back and everything just falls I just, apart. Everything <laughs> I just threw a wrench like you guys had a smooth system, system going here. Perfect. This table too. Just keeps it is, back. dude. It's so wobbly. It's very wobbly. All right. We could stuff some napkins under one of the legs. That might help. Actually, it probably. There is not legs. It is just a spear at the base. It Look here. If we base. stuffed it underneath this. <laughs> That does nothing. <laughs> that does nothing except make it look like you're trying to hide trash under the table. I could walk it over there. Why don't you stuff it under the table? Right. They're not going to see this. Sure, I have to walk past the trash on my way out the door. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your service here. Yeah. Man. So, Mr. John T. opens up by having this pretty 
Uh, yeah, just a neat little story where he talks about this three-year-old named Lucas who, uh, oh, what was it? Um, Lucas is a, he loves being creative with, with paint. And so eventually mom gets smart and just gives him a bucket of water, sends him outside. And so Lucas will toss paint on uh, presumably the sidewalk and it'll color it temporarily. But if you were to come back a few hours later, after the sun has dried it, the sidewalk's gonna be completely the same as it was prior to <coughs> little three-year-old Lucas painting it. And now Jaunty asks the question, so far in our covenant story, we might almost be tempted to accuse God of being as effective as this three-year-old. Sure, he throws some promises around, makes the odd dramatic intervention, but does anything really change? And that's, that's the starting point here. After the Davidic covenant, we know there's gonna be four centuries here, and then all of a sudden, change. Yeah. Newness, which we should talk about that definition oh, in a second. Definitely yeah. Yeah. About newness. yeah. Super important. But yeah, it, you are kind of left in this place of, of uh, unknowing because uh, the people are in exile. Um, I very honestly, providentially this morning was uh, listening to audio Bible on the way here. And I happened to be in my audio Bible listening, which I don't necessarily do every day um, on an audio Bible, but I, I happened to just now be uh, in Jeremiah and uh, Jeremiah listened through Jeremiah 28 through 32 this morning. Yeah, well, so it's a new covenant. Um, and so this, right, yeah. it's a new covenant. It's, you know, um, the destruction. It's the people being sent off into exile and being told to seek to go to the city. You're going to be there a while. Uh, but that's where they're left, right? They're, they are left in a place of uh, seeming desolation. Um, but as he points out in Ezekiel, Ezekiel is great for this, by the way, yeah. uh, because you have um, and obviously, um, you, you have this in multiple of the prophets, but Ezekiel is maybe the most clear as far as being somebody who is there as the glory is departing, as the exile is taking place, and able to speak to the people, preparing them as they head into exile. Uh, but in Ezekiel sixteen sixty, he quotes it. It says, I will remember, this is God speaking, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. And so they, they go into exile, in a sense, with this promise that actually God is going to continue the covenant, right? He's just, just as he's made this covenant, he's going to, to remember it. Um, but also there's going to be this piece where he's going to complete it. He's going to, you know, bring it to, to some kind of, of completion we see that in the new covenant yeah i underlined in that paragraph uh on that second that first paragraph on 95 mm -hmm. so this new covenant would have its roots in the covenants that have gone before it would be part of the covenant of grace so and then we'll again like he, he talks about new and what that means a little later mm -hmm. but i think that's an important thing to establish is when we start talking about the new covenant we're not talking about oh like a total like 180 like this is just blindsided came out this of nowhere plan B. Yeah, yeah plan like a plan yeah plan b like hey things went bad with the, f the first time around so i'm gonna like just totally switch it up that's that's not what's happening here it's it's the promised continuation of the covenants that have come before it it has its roots it's better it's new it's better but it's it's also the outworking of the covenants that have come before it and the fulfillment of the promises in the covenants that have come before it. Yeah. So, to that end, Rhodes writes on 101, which we'll eventually get to more in more detail, but he writes, We get into all sorts of trouble reading the Gospels if we forget that first and foremost, they are the climax of the story of Israel, yes. begun way back in Genesis 12. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is huge, man. That's huge. Yeah, I... I don't want to go, get off on that because I'm just going to not stop. But... <laughs> <laughs> but you have then, during this intervening period, the, the people do return from exile, um, and you do have this kind of renewal in Judah. Um, as people return, as the temple is rebuilt, um, you get this in, in Haggai, Zechariah, Nehemiah, Ezra, you, you get the story of this return. And um, some have kind of thought, hey, actually this is in a sense the beginning of the new covenant, in that there are some of these promises that are kind of fulfilled at this time, but they're not fully, right? They're not, uh, you You definitely get the sense that, okay, well, this isn't an eternal covenant. There's still not a king, right? They're still waiting for the king, for the potentate. Uh, uh, potentate of time. Do you, mm. what, what's that from? What hymn is that from? Potentate of time. Oh, man. I gotta I gotta look it up. You guys keep talking, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> oh, man, I'm... 
yeah, it's just gonna bother me until I remember. Um, I'm not gonna destroy the world. We're, <laughs> I, I'm making up. <laughs> Potent. Potentate, a monarch or ruler, especially an autocratic one. You just, Come Michael on. just wrote that on a piece of paper and you read it out loud. <laughs> they can't see this. <laughs> it's real, man. <laughs> Search for Christian hymn, Potentate of Time, and it will pop up. All right. It, it has to. Um, anyway, so they return. This is a, one of the other things that he didn't quite mention. Uh, but, you know, he said, well, yeah, look, the people are back in the land, mm-hmm. but not all the people. Mm-hmm. And part of the promises that are given... Uh, throughout uh, the latter parts of the Old Testament, are that not just not just Judah, not just the right. uh, the southern tribes, right. uh, but Israel too, the north, the northern tribes, Samaria, um, yeah. the ten tribes that made up Israel, um, sometimes referred to as Ephraim, uh, in in the latter prophets, they too will come, and there will be this reunion of all of the people of God, yeah. and that doesn't happen. That clearly doesn't happen. Um, the the you know, so-called lost tribes of Israel remain in diaspora even through the end of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They don't come back. Um, arguably, when they do come back, it's not a coming back in the sense of you know all of them um, coming back to the land like Judah did. Yeah. Um, but it in the Book of Acts in Acts two, one of the things that uh, that Luke goes through pains to say is that there are Jews here from everywhere, right? Yeah. All the places of the diaspora from all these different nations and languages, the Jews are all here, right? And so other words, all of Israel is now back. And then they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit's poured out, et cetera. So you see this kind of, uh, this this, uh, fulfillment of that promise that even Israel would be brought back. It just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Crown him with many crowns. There it is. What? Him. No way. Yes. Yeah. The verse, potentate of time. Yes. Verse oh, three. Totally. Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hand. No, wait. I'm sorry. Mm. Verse four. Crown him the Lord of years, mm. the potentate of time. The, yes. Creator of the rolling streets. See. Well, that's the problem. You have to say it doesn't sing past the first verse. That, that explains it. That's it. <laughs> See, no, this is the problem. Is you're, you're not Presbyterian, so you don't know these things. Whoa. Is there an update here? Dude, we, we sang this growing up at the free church I went to. Because we were based. We were, <laughs> it's a based research. <laughs> Man, why are we still singing Waymaker so much? <laughs> Man. You could be singing Potentate of Time, yeah. which tell me that's not <laughs> super cool. That'd be epic. Your Dude, vocabulary cool. will be expanded. Wow. <laughs> if you pick oh, up the Trinity. Get up on those. Did you just identify yourself as a Presbyterian? I did. That's a, another conversation for another day. Dude, uh, this guy. This, this is, so this is a callback to episode one. Class, everybody. The yeah. classic, I'm currently a Baptist, which is essentially the equivalent of me saying, I'm on my first wife right now. Like, okay. <laughs> currently a Baptist. Have you, have you ever introduced your wife that way? You introduced this, this is my first wife. This, this is my ex-girlfriend, Elise. <laughs> yes, uh, this is oh, my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, Yikes. All right. Well, back to it. Uh, <laughs> Back to it. So um, he walks through the promises, uh, especially again in Ezekiel's mm-hmm. uh, New Covenant text, mm-hmm. uh, where um, he has the promises again of the people of the paradise of God's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we need to necessarily go through each of those, right. um, but we do see all of them, you know, being being given again. Right, all all of yeah. this shows up again, uh, which is a good reason to then recognize that. When we move into the New Testament, we're not talking about something that mm-hmm. all of a sudden is broken from everything else. Yeah, um, it is a fulfillment of what these guys have been talking about. Yeah. I think his his analogy um, when he talks about new, right? Because he wants to define his terms. Because mm-hmm. um, we can use that word multiple ways. in multiple ways. Uh, and when he talks about, hey, I can use new in the sense of I built a new house. Like, hey. This house never existed. It's completely new. Or I can use it in the way of, hey, I'm a new... John T. Rhodes uses these examples. I'm a new man. He's a, like someone saying, hey, he's become a new man since he's been married. Is that a completely different person? No, but we know what we're talking about when we say, oh, that guy's a new man, right? That when, Since he's been married or since he came to Christ. It's the same person, but there's been a transformation. There's been yeah. a... Renewal. A renewal, yep. yeah, yeah, is what he, what he says. And I think that's key because he says on page 96 it is not a completely new creation unrelated to what became before and 
Again, you, you know how much we love Andy Stanley on this podcast. <laughs> we we even know, brought him up when you were gone. <laughs> 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 we, yeah, we brought him up for you. Like, there was a point yes. where we said, oh, so, Andrew would bring Andrew, him up. Andrew, would, Andrew <laughs> would bring him up. So, because I just, I just love his theology of the Old Testament. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> this is why we can't just leave it behind. Mm-hmm. Because it, it matters. It does. It it. It flows. We don't understand what we're talking about. And how, how is this new covenant new if we don't understand what the old was and what the yeah. old was working towards and promising? Man. You know, it's, 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 yeah, arguably, you don't, under, not even just arguably, like you don't understand the New Testament without the old. You don't understand Christ yes, yes. without the old. You don't understand the need for Christ right. without the old, you know, man. Um, yeah, you see this too, by the way, this idea of, of newness not meaning um, radical change or radical difference um, or disconnection in uh, biblical language. It talks about not just biblical language, but especially in scripture, um, we have multiple references to the new moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new moon, if you know anything Twilight. about astronomy. It's the third book of the Twilight <laughs> series. <laughs> no. That would, be our next, that would be our next book for the book club. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's it. Go Sorry. grab your copies right now. Uh, no, but it's like the new moon is not all of a sudden God put a new moon every month, um, you know, uh, every every 28 days God puts a different moon in the sky, mm-hmm. right? It's the same moon that's been there the whole time, but it's a new cycle of the moon, yes. right? It's when the, the cycle of the moon starts over. Mm. And we see this, this is used, I'm not, I, I need to do more work on this, uh, but I'm pretty convinced that this, this shows up in, in some New Covenant context in the Old Testament. I'm not positive about that. Um, I need to do a little bit more work. I'm, this is also speculative, but I tend to think that part of the prom, or the, the prophecies having to do with the moon going dark, right? The, yes. You know, it has to do in part, not, not exclusively, but I think at least thematically, poetically, is connected to the idea of the new moon. So when Peter gets up, um, and he tells the people of Israel in Acts 2 that all of these things that Joel talked about, including the moon going dark, have happened, right? Like, that's yeah. happened. Um, I think one of the things he's saying is, this is, the new covenant's here, right? And what does he do yeah. um, in in that context? Well, he talks about the Davidic Messiah, the Davidic king, right? Yes. Just, just as Jaunty brings up here, yeah. um, the king has come. And that's what he says. He says, like, David, obviously these these Old Testament prophecies that talk about David weren't talking about the actual David because yeah. he's dead, right? Yeah. His grave is here. Yeah, he's not going to live. He didn't live forever. Yeah, you know what I mean? but, but yeah. the son of David is here. He's here, and so you should repent. Yes. And uh, and anyway, so I, I, you know, we get this same language in Scripture that uh, to be new is to be renewed. It's it's a new cycle, right? It's yeah. and and it does come to completion. So let's talk about that. How does you know how does the new covenant uh, change because there is a change, mm-hmm. a new twist, one might yeah. say. Yeah, uh, at the very least, Rhodes writes on ninety-seven about how this new king will now be characterized as a shepherd king, mm-hmm. which obviously draws our minds back to David if we know uh, anything about his story. But yeah, he says here that uh, Ezekiel thirty-seven is where we see, um, yeah, this this new identity of the king. God will come as a shepherd king. Uh, he doesn't say that David doesn't he say that David was going to fulfill that role. He did. I will set them over. I will set over them one shepherd. Excuse me, my servant David, one king only, and it's God and David, but one person. Beginning to get the picture, so he's yeah painting this picture of um, the summative climactic consummation of the covenants. Here is going to be the shepherd king, and it's not going to be able to be completely fulfilled uh, by somebody who's exclusively. 100% humanity, but somebody's going to be 100% humanity yeah. and 100% divinity and God yeah. himself. Yeah. He's got to be God, but he also has to be the son of David mm. to fulfill that. And who, who who fulfills that? Well, Jesus does. He's he's God in the flesh, but he's the son of David. He's the physical descendant of King David. Um, you know, through the, obviously, the birth of Mary. But, um, mm. yeah. It's also the new covenant is the final phase, right? It, it is the final, sure. um, again, yeah. to use the, the cycles of the moon. It's the final cycle of, of yeah. this covenant plan of the Lord's, where um, it will be brought to completion uh, at the, the coming of Christ, the, the consummation of Christ. But in principle, it has all been accomplished, right? Yeah. In, in seed form, it's all been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, he talks about it, this is, you know, 
this is the one then that has to bring a complete end to yeah. the ravages of the fall, right? This is the this is the covenant that has to um, change those things for good, right? I think uh, so. One of the promises to Abraham, right, in Genesis was all the nations will be blessed because of, you know mm-hmm. because of your seed. Yeah. And John T. Rhodes, the first thing he mentions about the newness of the new covenant is that God goes global on page 98. Uh, he doesn't just, it's no longer just, and obviously there was, there was um, provisions for having, you know, Gentiles come into the nation of Israel, uh, but they had to adopt the customs and all, all that stuff. But now instead of just, hey, well, Israel was supposed to be the people that, you know, went out and right. blessed the nation, but they failed at that yep. time and time again. <clears throat> but now at this point, again, like God brought all the, all the Jews from all, every tongue, tribe, and nation to Jerusalem at Pentecost. And then Peter preached to them and they converted and then they went back out. And then because of the persecution in Jerusalem, they went out and they, <laughs> they preached the gospel to the, to the whole world. And now here we are in, you know, 21st century United States and, we're talking about the same gospel. We're talking Praise about God. the doctrine that the apostles <clears throat> preached. The we're talking about the the Jesus that they they preached. So I love that he says it's no yeah. longer just for the Israelites, but also for the yes. Irish, Iranians, Inuits, yes. every other country that starts with an I, yeah. and then even the ones that don't, which is he's, really great. Yeah, he's not and limited to so where it's like <laughs> yeah, only, <laughs> only people only where people their English names start with an I. <laughs> like that's, Why did America yeah. change its name to the United States of America? What the <laughs> in heck? America. In America. Um, yeah, so Rhodes writes, yeah, one of the things... I'm was, Irish, though, so I'm covered. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rhodes writes, yeah, reach is one of these things that's going to be... We're going to find fulfillment here. But then also, he says the flip side of this is power. And this goes yeah. back to, Michael, what you were talking about a second ago. Uh, he says, to achieve uh, this, this deliverance on all the predecessors' previous promises... This new covenant must genuinely deal with the death, the death sentence, which has been hanging over God's people. Uh, in a sense, the new covenant will have to pick up the tab, or at least uh, it will be established by the man who will. And this leads us yeah. to Jesus himself. Yeah. And that's the thing, is the, the old covenant was was not paying the price. You're it telling was, me the lambs and the goats were not actually atoning for sins? Yeah, it's something like, in Hebrews, I think, yeah. he says yeah. that somewhere. <laughs> but no, yeah, because the, the blood of goats doesn't take away sins. It was... a it was a foreshadow to a sacrifice that a once and for all perfect sacrifice that had to be made. Uh, and then when Jesus comes and he does die on the cross, <coughs> he, he settles the debt as it, like you said, as it were, he, mm-hmm. he finished the work. Um, he, you know, he paid the tab and now it's clear, mm-hmm. right. For all those who are in him. So that, again, like you said, that's, yeah. I think that's the ultimate fulfillment of you know the old covenant mm-hmm. and the, the promises that hey there would be <clears throat> com- there would come one that you know fulfills you know or, or takes away the curse right you know what I mean? he pays the penalty on behalf of his people yeah. and takes away their iniquities yeah i love this um this is where he starts to talk about the king uh, this on page 99 he says um, have you ever been in an evangelism training session where you were asked to turn to your neighbor, explain the yes. gospel. If so, did you answer? Did your answer run <laughs> at all along the lines of, well, there was a guy called Hezron, who was the father of Ram, and Ram had a son called Aminadab. Now, by the time I get to by the time I get to Aminadab, they leave. I, I know, right? <laughs> uh, he had well, Nashon, and, come back here. <laughs> and he had a son. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, there are actually places in the world um, that would be interested in this. So, uh, you know, we just had missionaries from Africa, yeah. uh, in from Uganda, come uh, to church on Sunday. And one of the things he mentioned was one time when he went to visit. He was supposed to visit this particular king, uh, but I can't remember. Did he say the king had passed away, or he was he was? Gone, oh yeah, yeah, something was, about like the prince had died or something. Yeah, like that. something. Yeah. And so he had to go visit this queen. The, the, yeah, the mom, the mother, um, the mother. And so he went to visit, but. Um, when he was doing that, he said that he was uh, kind of questioned by the security guards of this queen. And some of the main questions they asked him was basically about his lineage. Like, okay, tell us about your father. Tell us about your grandfather. What did they do? What were they like? Like, that's that's what they were interested in, right? And um, it's been true. I've heard it said uh, by other missionaries and, and of missionary encounters that there are different places in the world, especially places that are still tribal in nature. Yeah. Um, and in, in how they, meaning in how they structure power, right? Not in like some you know, super old school sense, but just in the sense of how they structure authority yeah. within the community and uh, with tribal leadership and how, you know, a lot of times these cultures will be very interested in the parts of the Bible that are 
genealogies, yeah. right? And they'll be able to follow them because they understand the importance of that. Well, uh, unfortunately, in our our American context, we're so individualistic, and the family structure has been so broken, you know, by you know, the sexual revolution and all that stuff. So it's like people can't trace their lineage and they don't really care, you know. Whereas, but like you said, to those cultures and to a Jew, right? That's that's immensely important like because if he if if jesus truly is if the the messiah is truly david's son you know if he's truly descended of abraham like you better you know show me right yeah. and then of course we see that matthew does that <clears throat> yeah so this yeah he then walks through the gospels and just said look how they um, all of the gospels work to show that christ is the fulfillment of these promises he's yeah. the one that the whole of the Old Testament has been looking forward to. And they each do this in their own way. They do it in different ways, but they all do it, right? Every one of them does it. Matthew's maybe more explicit about it, uh, more explicitly showing. Again, you'd see it at the beginning of, of Matthew that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham, right? He's the fulfillment of these things um, that was promised. He is the offspring yeah. of David and Abraham. And so um, it's more maybe explicit there, but you see it in all of the Gospels. Yeah. I'm guessing you'd seen this before. Correct me if I'm wrong, Michael. I wonder if you have Andrew. I'd never heard of this. So in the in the paragraph on Luke on page 100, yep. he uh, draws these comparisons between the temptation that Jesus experiences yeah. in his experience in the wilderness with Satan tempting him and the temptations that Adam and, and yes. Eve uh, were under in the garden. Had you heard of these? Like, oh yeah, I'd never yeah. heard of this before. This is yeah, super isn't cool. That great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. amazing. It's it's very clear that you know Christ is a new Adam. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very clear. Not only that, so. Uh, yeah, so Christ Christ becomes a new Adam, right? Being tempted by the devil as Adam was, but without sin, right? Without sinning. Um, you also then have his, the, the very fact of his wandering in the wilderness while this, you know, this happens while he's wandering in the wilderness. Um, and he wanders in the wilderness for 40 days. And what happens, you know? Um, now, well, so he's, he's baptized and he goes out into the wilderness, right? Um, and the wilderness being that land that is uh, that is east of Israel, right across the Jordan. So he's baptized in the Jordan. He comes out. He wanders for 40 days. And then he goes back across the Jordan into the land of Israel mm-hmm. again, right? This is exactly what happens to Israel, right? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is Israel is baptized in the sea. They, they cross the water. They leave Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, under judgment, they're in the wilderness for 40 years. And it's only after that that then they cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan. And, and so Christ is also fulfilling so Israel, cool. right? He is, he is Adam. Yeah. He is Israel. And it just keeps going, right? It's, I mean, this, God, is, this is all across all of the Gospels. It really so is cool. incredible. And this is why you don't understand Christ if you don't know the Old Testament. Exactly. You literally so now don't. special guest <laughs> Andy Stanley. <laughs> Andy, come on out now. <laughs> After defending himself against Moeller, he's now come on. He's on <laughs> Andrew and Michael. <laughs> too soon. Uh, too, yeah. too soon. Yeah. No, that was that was so cool. I just yeah, I'd never heard of like obviously yeah, those comparisons are really cool as well. But then also specifically the ones in Luke. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was really really yeah neat. being yeah. set up and and in part because and he, he mentions this but in part it's because he's being set up as the savior of the world right just as Adam was the federal head of all people so Christ is going to be the federal head and right. salvation for all people yeah right and that's the that is the constant you know theme of you know when we, when we see Jesus' life right? We see the Old Testament. We see the offices of the Old Testament, right? We see the federal headship of Adam. He failed. We see, you know, prophets that, you know, are um, in the Old Testament. We see kings that are, you know, good and bad kings. Um, We see priests that are good and bad priests in the Old Testament. But then when we come to the New Testament, we see how Christ is the better Adam, right? He he succeeded where Adam failed. He, uh, He was the perfect prophet. He was, he was the prophet that not only foretold, but he's the one that accomplished the work of God. Um, he's the perfect priest that, you know, for once and for all time made that sacrifice and now intercedes, you know, for us. And he's the perfect king. He's the, he's the king of the world. He's the king of the universe. So we see that Jesus fulfills all those Old Testament offices better than everyone else that came before <clears throat> And perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. yeah. I do like uh, 
Yeah, coming into the podcast, if you were to go back to episode one, you'd hear me talk about The Christ of the Covenants, O. Palmer Robertson's book, and his, yeah. like, idea of the Emmanuel principle being the uniting factor across the board. So he doesn't, to my recollection, doesn't use anything close to the three Ps. I don't think he even used them with different letters. Crazy. Um, <laughs> but now I do love here on 101, yeah, um, Rhodes tells us that Matthew also draws our attention to the fact that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I will be your God. You will be my people has been the recurring melody of the covenant. Jesus quite literally embodies this principle. He yeah. is God with us, yeah. Emmanuel. Yeah. And that's the thing is, Jesus doesn't save us to something other than himself. He, mm. he saves us to himself. He, he is the end goal of our salvation, of our, of our justification, of our sanctification, mm. of our glorification. That's, that's the problem. It's, it's, it's not as if Jesus is kind of the, the escort to get us to yeah, some, he's just some a ticket. end, yeah. right? You know, he's not the yeah, train conductor not, that like the gets the us on. He is, right? He, he is, is the end. God. Yeah, he is the end. He's who really we are. Yeah, it's Colossians who, 1, he's preeminent. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. him who we were made for. In him we live and move and have right. our being, like Paul says. Which is also where we see, the like, uh, again, the idea that this is the final covenant, right? Like, this is yeah, he's here. Um, the fullness of, yeah. of the covenant of grace being made known because it's yeah. all made in him. It's yeah. all for him, through him, to him. Yeah. It's really good. The types and shadows, right, we're pointing to the, him. We're pointing to Christ, and now he's here. So you're like, this is, he's yeah. he's bringing it to a, right. you know, he's bringing it to a close. He's, he's and, the fulfillment. And to move to, like, Rhodes' next point, it's not going backwards yes. uh, from there. And so um, Christ has now, like, brought the world into fellowship with himself in principle right now that in you know history has to catch up yeah um, the gospel has to go forward nations have to hear of him yeah. uh, but in principle all of these promises of the covenant have been fulfilled in him and, and are being fulfilled in him <clears throat> yeah um, and that's not a temporary move to then get back to israel right yes. as a as a nation state as yeah. a you know as a a, a one one uh, you know nationality um, that's not the plan right the the church age the new covenant age is not a kind of parentheses on mm-hmm. um, what what God has done it's the fulfillment yes. of yes. what God has done in the yeah. Old Testament and um, so this you know the, the idea that well this is this is temporary and someday yeah. um, it's all going to be kind of brought to an end so that God can return to his original plan which is saving this one particular um uh, you know, physically descended people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually not true at all. That's that's yes. to miss the whole point. Yeah. That all of this falls in line. All of this is is a building on those covenants. And so, yeah. throughout the New Testament, you hear very clearly of the church being the Israel of God. That the church is yeah. the fulfillment of Israel. It's not. Um, he very, uh, I think, helpfully points out. This is not, as it's uh, sometimes called, replacement theology, yes. right? That, okay, the church is Israel in the sense that it replaces Israel. Yeah. Um, no, um, the church is an organic extension of Israel yeah. uh, because, as Paul says in Romans 11, yeah. it, Gentiles have been grafted in yes. to Israel. And yeah. some have been grafted out then of Israel, right, because yeah. of unbelief. Um, but even there in Romans 11, arguably speaking, Paul says that's they're going to be brought back into right, so all peoples yeah. will be brought back in. Um, but it's not as though there's this you know clear distinction between them anymore. No, um, Jew and Gentile. When you know, for instance, when uh, the word world is used yeah. throughout the New Testament, very often it's speaking of Jews and Gentiles both. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's everyone uh, now. All, all peoples are being have been brought into this one people in yeah. Christ. Yeah. Of course, Rhodes wrestles with this in 103 when he asks the question. He's like, has God therefore failed to keep his promise because it's no longer just Israel? Has he, and then he, said, he goes on to say, well, of course not. If, if I had promised you a secondhand car for your birthday and instead you got a Porsche, would you accuse me of breaking my word? God has given his faithful people far more than at first have, they have at first met the eye. Yeah. yeah. And that's and kind of going back to, you know, who is, who is the true Israel and all that stuff. Um, in Romans 9 that's what Paul talks about he's like he laments he's like I wish I could be cut off from my kinsmen in the flesh who have rejected Christ but it, he's, it's not as if the word of God has failed for not all are Israel who are Israel it's like what, what, do, you, what do you mean by that yeah. it's like no like there's this there's the ethnic people of Israel but not everyone that is 
ethnically a Jew is part of the Israel of God, is part of the seed of Abraham. What is he, what's the, you know, when the, I think it's, is it John the, no, it's Jesus. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but they're like, you know, we're, we're children, the Pharisees we're are like, the we're children, children of Abraham. Abraham. He's like, you know, you're, nah. no, you're, you're of your father, the devil, right? Whoa. Because they didn't have the same faith as Abraham. John 8. Who, yeah. yeah. Who are the true children of Abraham? Those who have the same faith. We see that in Romans. We see that in Galatians. So this, this idea that like, oh, God's like setting, you know, ethnic Israel off for time, but then he's going to come back and then there's like, you know, they're going to rebuild the temple and yada, yada, yada. And it's going to usher in like the end times or whatever. It, it really misses the whole point and this is why i think this is such a great book uh, introductory book to covenants is that you just see the flow of like no the covenants are you know getting greater and greater and greater and greater and then the new covenant finally now it's jew and gentile together he broke down the wall of hostility he brought he brought and now he's he has his one people the church yeah. who are jew and gentile like the gentiles were grafted into the tree and that tree is the church yeah yeah it's good it also uh, i know uh we're basically just hammering dispensationalism, but um, yes, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. But we should. But we should. We love you guys if you are dispensationalist. But yeah. um, but it, it seriously is a problem because part of the new covenant promises when we talk about um, you know the newness of the new covenant is not that it's completely new. It's a renewal. Yeah. Um, yes. It's it's a new new cycle in a sense. It's 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 the fulfillment of, but it's not brand new. Dichotomized yeah. uh, from, uh, but. One of the ways that the new covenant does have a kind of, uh, you know, disjunction from the old, yeah, is actually in those things that are said to be going to come back someday, right? Yeah. The temple, the the sacrificial system, the yeah. priesthood. Uh, so I was just again, I was just listening to um, Jeremiah uh, thirty one and two this morning, and um, so you know. There are so many things when the new covenant promises are given that sound just like all the other covenants, right? And like yeah. ev- everything's the same. And one of the questions is always, okay, well, what what is really new? And you know, when we get to uh, to Jeremiah saying uh, things like, um, you know, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. Some people think, oh, that's what's new about the new covenant. Yeah. Well, actually, that's been stated in the Old Covenant as part of the Old Covenant promises, right? Moses was very clear that, you know, circumcision had to be done on the heart, yes. right? That the law of God had to penetrate to the heart. That's actually not new. Yes. That's actually been there the whole time. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Well, that we've seen that before, right? Yep. Like, that's not, that's not new. Here's actually one of the new parts. And no longer shall each one mm-hmm. teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now, we're not used to this language if we don't really, if we're not really steeped in Old Testament. Um, But who were the teachers in the Old Testament? The Levites, the priests. It was the Levites. It was the priests, right? Who were in charge of the sacrificial system that had to do with the forgiveness of sins? It was the priests. It was the priestly class. Um, When it talks about the least to the greatest... This isn't just, you know, it's not just saying, you know, every individual person. It's talking about these classes of people that existed in Israel where you have the the Levitical priesthood. You have the the temple sacrificial system where there are some people that get to go in and meet with the Lord who get to make sacrifices on behalf of the rest of the people. Some people that have a closer relationship and knowledge of God. And he's saying that's not going to be true anymore. They're all going to be priests. Right, yeah. which means losers, yeah. you can't have the Old Testament priesthood anymore. You yeah. can't have the the you know the temple system, the Levitical system. Yeah, um, you're not going to have a new temple because that already exists, right? Like that's the new temple is the people of God, yes. where the Holy Spirit dwells. Yeah. And so, and you get that you see this in Hebrews, where it, especially where it quotes Jeremiah 31, where the whole point of Hebrews is: look, that that temple system is passing away. Don't go back to that. Yes, right. Don't go back to that because. Because it's 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 all been fulfilled in Christ, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and so like those, you know, there's a lot of things that we, if if we're not careful, will think are new about the new covenant that actually aren't. Yep. Uh, but the things that are truly new in such a way that they're different. Um, yeah. Again, not even in a way that that these things have no bearing or don't matter. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not that there is no temple. It's that the physical temple is destroyed by God. But yeah, the true temple is here in 
the people of God, right? Like we yeah. are the temple built up in Christ. Yeah. Um, the, the New Testament goes through, you know, pains to make that clear. Um, it's not that there isn't a priesthood. No, you are all priests. You're a, you're a nation of priests, yeah. right? A kingdom of priests, we're told by Peter. Um, it's not yeah. that there is no high priest. It's that Christ is the high priest. It's not that there's no sacrifice. It's that Christ is the once for all sacrifice yeah. and it's over. It's done, right? Like you, you don't need anymore. Um, so it, it, it's not... It's not as though they those things have no bearing. It's just that they've been fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, but this it's so huge because otherwise you get into this place where if you don't understand what the New Testament is doing with that language, you start to think, oh, this hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Right? Oh, there has to be a physical temple yet to come because this hasn't happened yet. No, it has. Yeah. It, it completely has. It's all. Yeah. It has been done mm. all in the work of Christ. Yeah. I think of, you know, when... And sometimes I think that's maybe a detail that we could miss. But when Jesus died and it's finished and then the earthquakes and the, the sky goes dark. And what happens in the temple? The curtain to the Holy of Holies tears in two. Yes. That's signifying that, hey, it's open now. Right? It's There's no longer this barrier between God and men where, you know, this, this priestly uh, mediator has to go in once a year and, you know, sprinkle blood on the mercy seat and all that no it's it's been done it's finished there's god is now able to come down and be with men through the mediating mediating work of jesus christ speaking of the mercy seat i just read was in uh, first kings yesterday totally forgot about solomon killing joab on the roof like holy cow that's just brutal like david's like right before he dies all right so here's my list of who to go and kill now and i promised them that i wouldn't do it but you can just like <laughs> holy <laughs> well you gotta say one thing about these old testament guys they were men of the word oh my sure. goodness <laughs> yeah i'll make sure it gets done but Joab, <laughs> fascinating character uh-huh. you follow the story art and honestly yeah. joab was basically the king i mean he like, sure, yeah. you fall like david was a weak man especially mm, toward at the that end point, joab yeah. was the one that mm-hmm. he you know throughout the story of David and Joab Absolutely he's, special, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, he's yeah. doing whatever he wants right mm-hmm. Joab is yep. doing whatever he wants he's not listening mm-hmm. to the king yeah. um, and so in doing that and saying that as much as it sounds pretty you know brutal. not so yep. brutal um, it's actually David's preserving of the kingdom for huh. Solomon because Joab will take it I mean oh, yeah. he's going to take the kingdom but That's by that point he'd already aligned himself yes, now with the second exactly. yeah. Yep. yeah yeah no he's I mean he's wanted the power of the kingdom for sure. sure. Um, that's been clear from from very early on. Yeah. But it's fascinating that the political intrigue of those stories is so good. Like this mm. would make an awesome mini series if no the kidding. right person made it. No kidding. Yeah. Dude, the whole story. For the of, creators of Game and Thrones. I know. Wait, <laughs> right? I just call it Game, I <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh boy. Yeah. That'd be great. So not every. Uh, promise has although they've all been uh given in christ mm, yeah they are not yet fully completed right like there's a there's or a realized, sense in which maybe, yeah, yep. they've not been fully realized yep. um, in their their truest sense as they will someday mm, and so we should yeah. talk about the not yet of these covenant promises um, because they you know again they are fully ours right like yeah. the the Christ is the fulfillment of every promise. He's the He's the yes to every promise of the Father. Yep. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a sense in which these things yeah. still have a fulfillment that's yet to come. Yeah. And that won't really be here until Christ returns. Mm. So this is uh, the promises of the new heavens and new earth, yep. um, which very clearly in the New Testament, uh, there's a sense in which we already partake in. Right, you are a new creation in Christ. Right, you you've already been raised in Him. But there's a sense in which some of us has to still catch up to that. Right, like the you know the old self still has to be put to death. Our bodies are still going to die, um, and we have to be raised just like Him. And that's true of the world too. Yes, Um, it doesn't mean that God is going to you know start over again. It doesn't yes. mean that God is going to annihilate everything. He's going to pick up his rainbow and flood us again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's not going to destroy the earth like in the days of the flood. He actually he says that clearly, right? Like it, yeah. he's not going to do that again. Um, he's going to, you know, sometimes people will say, well, he's not going to do it with water. He's going to do it with fire. Well, it's not quite right because the image of fire um, yeah. in, in the Bible is destructive, mm. but only destructive to that which is sinful, right. um, that which should he's be. He's being judged. In that exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. a judgment. But um, that which is is uh, being renewed, being yeah. renewed right? Yeah. There's a way to be purified by fire too. And so that's really the image, I think, of, 
of the, the final coming of Christ is as the world is finally judged yeah. in, in its fullest sense, right? And so all of the curses from the covenant are brought on those who refuse to believe, yeah. um, just as they are to, to unbelieving Israel. But at the same time, that, you know, the, the fiery, glorious presence of Christ is, is also a purifying mm. of those who have been looking for the day of his coming. It's purifying to the world that he made, which is good, um, though it's been tainted by sin. That's yeah. The sin part will be removed, the death, the suffering, the pain, that's removed. Um, but you still have a new heaven and a new earth, right? Uh, yeah. You have a, uh, this, and, and it's this earth. Right, yes. it's it's not a brand new earth. Yes, um, it, again, in the sense of like completely different. Yeah. It's a new heavens, a new earth, in the sense that it's all been renewed and remade, and we yeah. see this in the resurrection of Christ. Right, when Christ rises from the dead, he is not. He there's there's a difference. Yes, right. He is in a new, glorious spiritual body. He can do things like walk through walls, seemingly. Yeah. Right, he like he is different, yeah. and sometimes people don't recognize him right away. Yes. However, he still has his scars. It's still the same body. It's, it's the same body that he had, but it's been made new. Um, he still eats. You know, I don't know what that means for, like, you know, eternal life. Right. But at least uh, he eats with the disciples. He breaks yeah. bread with them. He, so there's, there's something going on there, and he promises that he's going to, you know, break bread with us again yeah. someday uh, in, in uh, his Father's kingdom. So uh, there's... There is, uh, you know, clearly a, a difference between the way things are, but it's not going to be so radically different yeah. or unrecognizable right. or something like that. Yeah. Just like when you are raised, if you're in Christ and you are raised, it's not going to be a totally different you. It's not going to look, you know, you're not going to look completely different. You're not going to, no, it's going to be you, right? Perfected. As God made yeah. you, but perfected, but, yeah. but brought into your fullest glory. Yeah, we'd yeah, love to see it. I like how he describes heaven as the best ever waiting room. I thought yeah. that was yeah. that was fun. Right. At least the heaven as it exists today, not the new heaven yeah. earth. I think one thing that is sobering um, as we kind of finish up here is uh on page 109, he talks about, hey, you know, it's it's great for us to think about the glory of the new heavens and the new earth and, like, the new creation. Um, but something that he kind of brings you back down to earth, as it were, was, well, what about those who aren't in covenant with God? What if mm-hmm. those who are still in rebellion with God? Those people that we work with, or our neighbors, you know, our family members that don't know Christ, that are still in rebellion against Christ. It's these... He says on 109, in the middle of the page here, we are meant to read these passages from Revelation. Um, you know, talking about earlier, the, the page before, he talks about, you know, what so will happen to... Drinking the wine to, of yeah, God's wrath. Drinking the wine yeah. for those who don't... Who have rejected Christ, they drink of the wine of God's wrath, and, you know, the smoke of their torment goes up forever. And anyways, back to the, what I was quoting, we are meant to read these passages from Revelation, shudder, they should drive us to Christ as the only refuge, and fill us with, with praise for the rescue you offer. For the rescue he offers, they should also fill us with tears, prayers, and passions for those who are still rebelling. And just kind of, I think, you know, again, like our task isn't to like huddle around together and just get into our echo chambers and be like, yeah, I can't, I can't wait, I can't wait. Like we should encourage each other with that. Like that's absolutely vital, and that's why the church, church exists, right? To one, to glorify God, you know, to edify the the saints, but also to go out and preach the gospel to a lost and broken world so I think and then just that sobering reminder of like hey you know these people are gonna have to if they don't repent they're gonna have to drink the wine of God's wrath and that's Mm -hmm. that's a frightening thought so I think that's a good sobering reminder of like hey we you know let's be let's be looking forward to that new heaven and new earth let's be you know joyfully you know long for its coming for the coming of of Jesus Mm -hmm. but also Let's try to get as many people in with us, right? Understand. Yeah, yeah, let's bring others in. That's what we're for, right? Yeah. That's why, that's why I mean, we, we are, and God has sent us out, yeah. right? Yeah. Ambassadors, yeah. 
Yeah, and for those of us who would be tempted to ally ourselves to the persons in hell being tormented, uh, yeah. erodes rights and emphatically, hell is eternal, conscious torment. Yeah. There's no getting out, no second chance. Even to yeah. talk of a second chance is to slander God. Yeah, because we've had endless chances here yeah. on earth. There's there's been a second chance. There's been. 500 second chances there's a chance right now yes right? like and, and, it, yes. and it and it it, it falsely it's the the problem is it's like when when you people think like that, than god yeah you think well that's one problem is you think you're more merciful than god because you're like well i couldn't i could well, never if it was do me that. i wouldn't do i that. could never do that to somebody and two you actually we talk about grace all the time like grace 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 oh yeah i didn't deserve it i didn't deserve it but then then you like if people that come to that point when they talk about well you know, he annihilates them or like, right. oh, he, you know, he gives them a second chance. It's how it's like, you don't really understand what grace yeah, is. Yeah, do you understand what you necessitated don't the grace in the first place? Right. Yeah. yeah, like, and then, but you but you think like, oh, God owes them something because that just sounds so awful and so terrible. He right. he owes them not to do something that right. terrible. To, it's like, like, what do you think we're talking about <laughs> when we talk about grace? Like, you know, yeah. like. The crazy part yeah. isn't that some people don't come to know Christ. It's that a single person that does. Anybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I also, I liked, maybe in, in uh, you guys' PCA church, this is not something that anybody has ever struggled with. But in, in the EFCA here, at least in the church <laughs> that I'm in, uh, on 108, it says, Satan doesn't rule hell. He's imprisoned. Jesus yep. Yep. rules hell. And I think that's something that, like, I'm, I'm consistently surprised by the frequency with which people are bought in on that myth. That, like, Satan's got the pitchfork down in hell, and he's, like, whipping people who've been bad. And, like, it, we even see this in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the in the Wardrobe, where who's the one that gets to crucify Aslan yeah. well it, who's the one who exercises that judgment yeah. it's the witch she's the one who's in control of the underworld in that case and yeah unless you of course you perceive her as yeah sin and God's judgment and wrath but yeah. yeah I just thought that was a, a good thing to throw in there and one that yeah. yeah is probably necessary for a lot of the people that I work with to hear or, yeah. yeah 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 I also finally on 110 so in conclusion of his chapter he has a really helpful little graph there that I was like oh that's cool it shows yeah. the church through the covenant of grace with the condition being faith which is symbolized by baptism which i'm sure we're going to get to and we'll all agree on and then yeah it, it goes in two directions one is that if the covenant is broken that's hell that's yeah. that is god's death being put to death rebellion being put to death crushed under his heel and then there's also the covenant which is kept and he talks about the people place and presence in yeah. two different categories of the already or the now and the not yet which is to come yeah. and uh yeah, if there was a way for me to like upload, I have a quote doc. If I could just like scan and upload this, I would love to do that because yeah. that's a helpful little summation. Of what Maybe you can put in the Telegram chat or whatever for the fair. Yes, yes, that for, would the be great. for the faithful listeners. <laughs> for the faithful listeners. Yeah. Well, next up, we're talking about the covenant of redemption. Covenant so, of redemption, chapter eight.